Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to get started with some music while we allow people here in our live audience, as well as those online, to get settled in with coffee or whatever you'd like to get. Uh, it is Pastor E. Dewey Smith singing, Thank You. And here it comes, so we appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hello, my bride. Good morning. Ronnie, good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Sister Marnell, good morning. Amen. <laughs> Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Morning, Sister Pearl. As a reminder, if the name pops up, I'll say something usually. It doesn't always pop up, though. I found out this past week a lot of people have been watching our content, but you never know. But I also have to remind myself we don't always get people watching live. This stays online, and people will watch it later. So for those of you who do that, thank you so much for joining us that way. Brother Roscoe, good morning. I know there's a song in here somewhere. I'm waiting for it to play. I think it's in here somewhere. Y'all don't have no church. Get your Bible. Pastor E. Dewey Smith saying thank you. <laughs> Could have been me. Now see, I didn't see. Oh, there's Jackie's name. Good morning, Jackie. And thank you. Uh, saying Arella, good morning too. Thanks. Appreciate that. This is like a seven-minute video, but it's about a three-minute song. <laughs> good morning, Brother Arlen. <laughs> Brother Nate, good morning. Thank you being here for being here this morning. Thank you. Appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you so much. Oh, 
Amen. You bet, Jackie, no problem. Are you thankful for what God has done in your life? Good morning, Mr. Gaines. Thank you for joining us. And good morning, Delia. Appreciate you being here. loves us more than we can even comprehend. That's something to always keep in mind. That's one reason to be very thankful. Good morning. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Appreciate you being here. Good morning, Lisa. Okay, that was Pastor E. Dewey Smith singing thank you. And uh, it took a minute to get going, but the song still has a great meaning to it. And it helps, uh, hopefully, for us to reflect upon God's goodness. And we just want to say thank you for that. We appreciate you being here this morning. Um, good morning to everyone online as well, too. We're slowly getting people acclimated and getting in getting getting in the queue, getting online, and getting with us for Sunday school this morning. We appreciate you being here. Um, we're very thankful that you are here because we don't take it for granted. We are, as far as I know, the only church, at least in these parts, that is doing any kind of Sunday school live online. Um, we've kept it up all the way through COVID, and we've been continuing to do so, but we do it because there's a need for it. We do it because there's a call for it to be able to make sure that we're proclaiming God's Word um, right from the Bible in a format that is comfortable for everyone to be involved and, and to stay involved. And we appreciate everyone uh, here with us today to join us in that endeavor. 
Let's do some housekeeping and do some announcements here. Pastor Gus does have a message. He will be speaking in church today. Uh, the message uh, is available on the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. It'll be available um, sometime within the next uh, half hour or so. It'll be immediately following Sunday school today. Uh, the work of the church is twofold, is the name of the message uh, that Pastor Gus is presenting today. And we appreciate, for those of you who are not in Akron and not able to come to our church, you're welcome to stay here online for the complete church experience where Gus will have a pre-recorded message for you. And that's what we've always set out to try to do to make sure we have that available for those who are not here in church. But he will be here uh, in church to do the same message live uh, at uh, beginning with our worship service at 1045 uh, a.m. Eastern Time. But we appreciate you being here nonetheless. And stay online for that message. It'll be in the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page at about 1015 or so. The, um, please, we also ask that you please remember the uh, giving, uh, worship by giving, by remembering your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you doing that. If you are mailing your tithes and offerings, uh, you can mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio. That's 44320. Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road. Akron, Ohio, 44320. And for those of you who are coming to church today, we have a drop box uh, in the uh, lobby area of our church. We don't pass a collection plate uh, at this time. We are going to continue to use the drop box for the foreseeable future, but it seems to work just fine. Uh, people know exactly what to do with that, and we appreciate your giving prayerful consideration for whatever you're giving, and we thank you for doing so. Uh, it does, uh, of course, take care of the essentials here at our church, uh, but it also is available for benevolent offerings or necessities of that sort, so we appreciate you doing that. And now that we are, yeah, now that we are uh, getting involved here with Sunday school, we're going to get into today's lesson. We still have people settling in here, and that's fine. That's wonderful. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate everyone being here. Um, we uh, know that um, the Lord has been very good. The Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been healing. The Lord has been providing. And I think that it's a testimony of that are the people in this very room right now with us. And for those of you joining us online, we know that God has been very gracious as well too and comforting even when you're not at your best. Amen. That's what we have to always look, go back to and look at. But today we're going to be in the book of John and we're going to continue our study a bit more somber tone of the message today because of where we are in John chapter 13. We're going to be in John chapter 13 verses 21 through 30. And this is the section where uh, Jesus speaks out and talks about uh, Judas's betrayal. And it's a short section but, I, but it's that we're looking at, but there's, the content here is really interesting to look at and see exactly what was taking place. Um, and I have to kind of do a little mea culpa on, the, uh, on this particular passage because I had been emphasizing that John was not really talking much about the, the Last Supper. He didn't really get into the details of what Jesus had said, which was true, uh, as far as uh, the, taking the bread and make it, having it as a sacrifice and uh, the, the wine that they drank was about the New Covenant. That was not mentioned, but he did mention the section here about 
Judas, and we're going to look at this, and it was kind of out of order because he's mentioning it after he washed the feet. But we're going to go ahead now, and I ask that the Holy Spirit gets involved in all of, with all of us and helps to teach us um, what we need to get from this passage. Amen? Let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer. And good morning, Greg. Thank you so much for being here. And let's get started. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us to truly hear you speak to us now in the power of the Spirit where you give us wisdom and teach us some things, Lord, perhaps that we hadn't heard before or hadn't known before. And Lord, that includes me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to speak on your behalf. But Lord, we just thank you that the Spirit is speaking and not my words, but yours. And we pray now, Lord, that you'll just bless this time that we have. Bless all those present and also those online as well viewing. And we thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 13. If you haven't already done so, John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. John 13, verses 21 through 30. And this is the time when Jesus is speaking. And John is the one who is, of course, the author of the text. He is speaking about... Uh, the time that Jesus has spent with the disciples at the Last Supper. Now he's going to make a declaration about how um, Judas, one of the people involved, is going to be identified. And we have to understand that when we look at this text here, the people here, the audience, who are the disciples, they have no idea what Jesus is referring to when we're looking at this. Um, so let's go ahead and read the text. John chapter 13, verse 21. Now Jesus was deeply troubled. And he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who is, who is he talking about? Verse 25, so that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. Okay, that's the passage, John 13, verses 21 through 30. And we need to look at some very interesting things about this section here. Um, John does take the time to mention the specific period at the dinner when he would reveal who the betrayer was, Judas. And, of course, this was the exact opposite of the spirit that Jesus had proclaimed when he was talking about washing their feet. Because we want to recognize that Judas is the exact opposite of that. He's being representing the exact opposite of those things. And Judas had made the decision just setting up all of this because we knew that he was not doing what was right. We knew that he was, his character was questioned because he was a thief. He was stealing from the collections that they had had. And so he was obviously ripe 
for this moment when he rejected Jesus for one last time. And understand something. We'll look at this in greater detail as we go. But Judas had to eventually just get out of the way. He could no longer have fellowship with Jesus and the disciples because of the very nature of his spirit, the very nature of what he was all about. So let's look at the dynamic here on what takes place. And uh, a lot of this is from F.B. Meyer, who does commentaries. And I do suggest for those of you who are online as well as those present here, it's really good when you get into Bible study that you also have a commentary handy um, because it also helps to explain what you're reading. Sometimes it doesn't just jump out at you. But it's also good to know the culture of the time when we're looking at things like this because we're talking about reclining. You know, most of us, we don't eat reclining. We eat when we're sitting up, we, you know, unless you're in bed on your back or something and laying in bed and eating chips or crackers or something, which we don't recommend, by the way. Um, but the, this is what people did at the time. The people, rather, they laid down, rather than sitting at a table area, each guest having his left arm on a cushion so as to support the head, the right being at liberty for eating. That was the culture back then. They were reclining while they were eating. So if you can imagine this, the head of each was near the breast of the companion on the left. So they were literally laying in, a, in a, almost like in a circle, I think is the best way to describe it. There's not much else to do. And you would have to reach in between to be able to dip the bread or take the bread and dip it into the sauce or the uh, whatever was, was present there. So that's why we have the dynamic about Peter uh, motioning to ask uh, John, who is this person? We say John because it's always the disciple Jesus loved. John never referred to himself as John in his own text. He always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So this was uh, with a setting for what we were looking at here in this Last Supper. And you could whisper because everybody was close together. You didn't have to say it out loud, like, who is this cat, or whatever it was. He just whispered quietly and asked the question. Uh, Peter wanted to know who it was. John wanted to know who it was. And that's the information we have based upon what Scripture says. Now, here's another important detail to also recognize from this particular setting. In the course of the paschal meal, the father would offer to the guests pieces of bread dipped in a sauce of fruit, representing the fruits of the promised land. It was a sign of special attention and was one more appeal to the conscience of Judas. One more appeal trying to get Judas to not do what he was going to do. And when Jesus... Go back to the text. Go back to our text, John chapter 13. Uh, let's just start at verse, after, after verse 22. The disciples looked at each other wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Verse 24, Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Now look at verse 26. Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. That is a pivotal moment. That is a pivotal moment in this entire section. 
because he was giving, Jesus was giving Judas special attention. He was giving Judas one more opportunity to appeal to his conscience. Judas had already been doing all kinds of things. He was obviously trying to hang with Jesus, but he still wasn't doing right. And that special attention that he gave, he could have still repented and turned turned away from his sin. But we look at verse 27. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. So he made the choice to reject Jesus at that point. There's a debilitating effect that sin has on a person's soul. Especially if you don't reconcile with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to see this. And this is... Jesus had been trying to reach Judas throughout the ministry. But he had made the determination he was going to reject Jesus in in his entirety. And that's when Satan entered into him. And then it says, And Jesus told him, Curry and do what you're going to do. So... John saw this. The attention was given to him. And the Holy Spirit just gave John the words to write. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Now this was something that was revealed to him. Of course, when he's looking at it at the time, he didn't understand it completely. The Spirit had to reveal that to him. This was Remember, remember what he says here. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. So Peter might have known... Maybe John knew this much based upon what he was told by Jesus himself. The betrayer. He was the one who was going to betray him. And, but to what extent that betrayal was going to take place, didn't know all of that until much later. So, it was not obvious that Judas was the betrayer. And it's because he was the one the disciples trusted to keep the money. He kept all of the finances. Um, go back to John 12, verse 6 real quick. Just a chapter before. Remember that um, verse 4, look at verses 4 and 5. And you'll recognize the passage here about Jesus was literally anointed uh, by Mary. Um, then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, notice how John puts this in, in the text as well too, said, why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then verse 6, he didn't say this because he cared about the poor, because, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. So, we almost have to make an assumption just based upon this text. Judas was taking money pretty much every time they got money. Pretty much every single time they got money. I mean, that was the way he was operating. His greed, his opportunity was there and present for you to do. You know, it makes you you wonder when we look at people who uh, practice sin... 
It's as if sometimes they just look for an opportunity to do it. And they just do it. And they do it because it's convenient for them. And here's the thing too. In verse 26, when I had mentioned to you about one I give to dip the bread in the bowl, Judas was literally the honored guest. <laughs> in the custom of the day, that's when the person who's in charge, the person in the head of the table, would dip the bread and extend to the person who was the honored guest at the Last Supper. So let me ask you a question. Let's think about this for a moment. We know what Jesus proclaimed during the Last Supper about the breaking of the bread and drinking of the wine, the body and the, and the blood being shed and all that. Do you think this was also an opportunity for Jesus to single out and mention to Judas, this is your last chance. This is your last opportunity. Remember that Peter had to even be admonished by Jesus about Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But frankly, that's something that what Satan wants to do, but sometimes God won't allow that to happen. But Satan wants to sift all of us like wheat. You better believe that. In our weakest moments, he's ready to jump in and make life very difficult for us. If not for the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's the key here, everybody. Look at this. Remember, Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. He had not sent the helper to be the indweller. So this is all prior to this. And so Judas, because of his sin, was getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until finally, that last moment, when he was the honored guest at the table, the way Jesus was handling this, he was given one last chance. Follow me or... You'll just have to go. Now, Satan, of course, has the major role in this, but Judas has responsibility, doesn't he? You know, we always try to blame other people sometimes for our problems. And I say we, and I mean being the human nature. You know, it's always somebody else's fault. Rather than being accountable for our own actions or taking responsibility for what we do, we'll blame somebody else. And it's not my fault this happened. Somebody else was involved. Well, Satan would love to always have you pointing fingers at other people. So, Judas may have been waiting for Jesus to do something special, or do something different. Or, you know, just like the others who were asking him to prove that he was the Messiah, maybe Judas was waiting for that too. Prove you're the Messiah. You just look like an ordinary man to me. Never mind the fact that he had already performed many miracles, right? But who was the one who was blinding people from recognizing who Jesus was as the Messiah? Satan. He was blinding people. People were being blinded because they chose to not believe. Satan is ready, ready and available to make sure that, you know, he's going to, if you don't, if you have any kind of doubt about who Jesus is. He will be happy to help you with that. He'll be happy to help you with that doubt part. 
And that's what we have to see here. Judas, you know, we, we can, you know, one of the comments here about Judas may not under, have understood Jesus' mission, didn't believe that Jesus was God's chosen one. Well, it doesn't really matter at this point, of course. We already know that he had decided not to follow Jesus. He probably assumed that, you know, when Jesus died, the mission would be over. Just like every other prophet that came about, once they pass on, he no longer is able to speak. But understand something. Judas is a lot like Satan in this area. Satan didn't know that Jesus' death was the most important part of God's plan all along. He knew about this moment even when we go back and look in the book of Genesis. And this was pointed out this morning on Dr. David Jeremiah about how Jesus has spoken about more than 300 times in the Old Testament about a Savior coming. And just for fun, go to Genesis chapter 3, since we're talking about it. And I'm going to thank Dr. David Jeremiah on this because he mentioned it this morning. And it, I didn't know that it would be relevant to today, but this moment that we're talking about here, this moment of time with Judas at the table with the other disciples, of course God knew about it. And he knew that Jesus was going to go to the cross. Um, let's start at verse 14. Genesis 3.14. This is the first mention in Scripture about Jesus. Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And I guess it's something to be said that it's mentioned right there where uh, the fall of Adam uh, and Eve took place. Verse 14, Then the Lord God said to the serpent, who was what? Satan. He was, that was a representation of Satan. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. Then verse 15, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now what offspring are we referring to? Well, we already know that Eve's going to have children. But in the offspring, we're talking about who? The one born as a virgin. The woman was a virgin. And her offspring would be the one. He will strike your head, meaning Jesus, and you, Satan, will strike his heel. Now, this literally is a, a statement of prophecy for all time, because we know that Satan's defeat is going to come later on from the second return of Jesus striking his head. So we're dealing with an, an eternal God who has all this figured out. He had, knew it was planned even before uh, mankind was created, before the world was even formed. He knew that we would have, he would have to have this plan available and Satan, of course, thinking, yeah, I'm going to get Jesus at the cross. He didn't even know. He didn't even understand it himself. Thinking he's going to have victory because he took care of the one 
that God had sent and forced him to die. And what a rude awakening Satan's going to have three days after Jesus' death when he rises from the grave like he said he was going to do. So it's important for us to see when Jesus says he's deeply troubled, what is he troubled about? Is he, does he, is he have any fear of Satan? Of course not. He's troubled because one of the people that he loves, Judas, is going to condemn himself. We have to remember that people, when they reject Jesus, Jesus will say, fair enough. That's what you're going to get. We have these warnings over and over in Scripture. In the Gospels, it talks about how there are many people who think they've done great things for Jesus. Jesus, we, we, we healed people. We, we did all these things. We, and Jesus comes back and says, get away from me. I never knew you. Now, why would he say that? Because they, at some point, rejected Jesus. And that's what we have to see here. If we don't get anything out of today's lesson, Jesus will extend himself and implore people to accept him and believe in him until the very last moment. That's why we always pray for people who don't know Jesus until they literally are on their deathbeds. I've seen personally what it means when a person who is near death decides to accept Jesus. It's a glorious moment. It usually requires days, weeks, months, and years of prayer for that person. And God in His graciousness, and I mean graciousness, gives that person one more opportunity to acknowledge who he is and they either decide to take it or they reject it. Does this help you to understand the importance of prayer in the life that you have to pray for others about sharing the gospel and sharing the truth? They need to hear it. They need to hear it often. And Judas had heard the truth. He just chose to reject it. So, Jesus knew all about what was going to happen. He knew about Judas and he knew about Peter because Peter later on is going to be like, Lord, I'll never allow them to take you. Lord, I'll die with you. No, you're going to reject me three times. That's coming up later. Jesus knew all about that. But, Understand something. He loved all of his disciples. That's why the emphasis was given about how much he loved them. He loved all of them. He loved them and he recognized that it was about faith. Ultimately, their faith would be bolstered up. Their faith would be uh, strengthened. Frankly, after he went to the cross and rose again. Because right now, they're confused about what's going on. When Jesus is finally arrested, they're like a hot mess. They all scatter. They don't know what's going on. What is happening right now? The one we spent all this time with for a couple of years, all of a sudden he's taken away. He's been arrested. 
which Jesus said he was going to be arrested, he's going to be taken. And they were a hot mess. But Jesus loved them anyway because he knew that when the Spirit would be brought, when he'd send the Spirit, that they would be strengthened, that they'd be encouraged, they would be made aware of all the things that Jesus had said to them. And for all but one, they would be faithful and be martyred or killed. And it didn't matter to them because it was much more important about the message of Jesus Christ. And the writer of this text, John, would be exiled himself and put away on the island of Patmos. But even then, he knew his work wasn't finished because that's where Revelation came from, the book of Revelation. He was writing that when he was on the island of Patmos. God has to reveal things to us sometimes over time. He doesn't do it right away. He gives us what we need for each moment that we're alive and what we're doing. But he reveals things to us over time. God's got a lot of time. We only have so much time. We're but a vapor, amen? But God is gracious enough to reveal things to us even though we are nothing but vapors. So, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. But he was troubled in spirit because of the fact that he loved Judas. No one there in the room besides Jesus knew that he was stealing. No one suspected anyone else. And I think for the sake of everyone else there, Jesus had to reveal who Judas was at that point. Because he wanted them to also recognize that not everyone in this room is, is being truthful. Not everyone in this room is being clean. Not everyone is really truly following him. They need to be aware of that. And so, I think for the recollection of the disciples when they look back on this moment, they'll recognize, yep, this had to happen the way it did because Judas was really not one of us. At the time, it was confusing. Let's go back to the text. Verse 28. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. Yeah, there's confusion. And they couldn't believe that Judas was the one who was the betrayer, but yet here he was. And it was revealed. But I want you to understand something that's very important, the most important thing in this passage here. The Lord knew what Judas was going to do. The Lord didn't force Judas to do it. He gave Judas every chance to repent. But when he finally rejected Jesus, Satan entered into him, ate the bread, pretty much making it very clear that he was going to do that. 
But Jesus always called Judas a friend. Even at the moment of betrayal, when the, rest, the soldiers are about to arrest him, Jesus called Judas a friend. But by then it was too late anyway. It was already a done deal. Now, I'm just going to say this to remind everyone here. I don't expect any of us to take this lesson and say, well, if you don't believe in Jesus, Satan's going to enter into you. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, take care of yourself. Um, you'd have to, you have to ask Lynn about the link. Yeah. So, recognize that Judas had every opportunity to repent and people who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they get multiple opportunities to repent. God makes himself very clear and very available and I want you to recognize that God loves you unconditionally and if you ask for forgiveness, He's going to forgive you. He has no reason to reject you. If you ask Him for forgiveness, if you're repenting and turning to Him, He's going to forgive you. There is nothing in Scripture that says otherwise. He's waiting for people to say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. And he will acknowledge that very fact. Jesus already knows about our sin. All he asks us to do is repent. We have the advantage of having an indwelling spirit. With an indwelling spirit, for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the thing that happened to Judas here in this text can't happen to us. Because the Spirit is already dwelling within us. Now, what you're going to hear in a future Bible study this coming Wednesday, just a plug on that. We talk about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. Well, if you already have the indwelling Holy Spirit, you have the indwelling Spirit, but now you have to be filled with that Spirit to be a believer in Jesus. In other words, allow the Spirit to work in your life because a lot of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, they make an assumption, okay, I'm cool. I've got salvation down, Pat, but that's not what... You know, there's a reason why Scripture comes back and says something like, you have to work out your salvation. Salvation requires work. Work in the faith allowing yourself to be filled with the Spirit in such a manner where you're living for the Spirit of God, not just sitting there uh, like a bump on a log. I got salvation. There is work involved. There is sharing of the Gospel that's involved. Judas, who had no part of that, was not going to do that. He was more thinking about looking publicly like he was concerned about things like, you know, wasting money and stuff like that. He didn't care about that stuff. It's all words. I wish I could say that 
There aren't believers out there who just talk, use all kinds of words. And let me tell you something else, everybody. Just because someone calls himself a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. By definition. Because as you can see, Judas was a great pretender for a couple of years amongst the disciples and didn't say, didn't give any clue that he was going to betray Jesus. They thought he was upright. They thought he was okay. He was one of us. One of us. That's what the disciples were thinking. He's one of us. Jesus was making clear in this text that he was not one of us. And that had to be revealed. That had to be stated. Judas was so clever, nobody believed that he was the traitor. So we have to recognize that not everybody we see, not everybody we run into, is a believer. Why is it that we have that passage where people, like I said, say, I did all this stuff for you, Lord. You don't recognize who I am? You don't recognize me? Jesus says, nope, I don't. Why do you think that is? Because people will say that they believe in Jesus, but they may not. It's a hard truth. And it really bears noting even within a church, even with a body of people who truly do believe in the Lord Jesus, that we in authority or we who are preaching or speaking do not make any assumptions. Don't make any assumptions. Because it's not my job to look at a person in the room and say, okay, you're a believer, you're a believer, you're, you're not a believer. That's not my responsibility. I don't have that kind of power and I don't want that kind of power. There are some things you don't want power to do, everybody. And that's one of them right there. You, that, all you need to do is do exactly what Jesus says and it's just preach the gospel. So, for as long as I'm preaching, the gospel message is going to be extended in some way, shape, or form. Has to be. And it's not about we got a room full of Judases. Nothing like that. But there are people who they just don't they don't get it. They're looking for something for to Jesus for Jesus to do in their life and Jesus isn't doing it the way they want it to be done, so therefore they're gonna say, Well shoot, I'm just gonna hurt myself. I'm not gonna even take the time to pray. I'm not gonna do any of these things. He didn't do anything for me. Why should I do something for him? Well, you see how deluded that can get, though, over time? Jesus did do something for you. He died for you. He went to the cross for you. He did so so that when you got your act together, when you decided to come around and recognize what Jesus had truly done for you, you'd be ready to say, Lord, forgive me. And it would be all taken care of. You wouldn't have to jump through any hoops. You wouldn't have to do anything special. Just believe in Jesus. Because He took care of all that for you. 
So what do we get out of the text today? Don't make any assumptions. If you don't know Jesus Christ and know what He did for you and what He did on the cross for you, this is the time to pray and ask Him to give you what you need to have understanding. And just believe in Him. Believe in Jesus Christ. Take care of that matter about your eternity right now. Don't put it aside anymore. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And not only will you be saved, but you'll also recognize how much God loves you. He says it in His Word. How much He gave of Himself for you. And how you can share with others the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ because of what He's done for you. You're the walking testimony for Jesus. After years of floundering, it took me 26 years to figure it out until I became a believer. That's a long time. After years of floundering, you know about God's goodness. He'll reveal it to you. He reveals Himself to you all the time. Now you just need to acknowledge who He is. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for how You teach us and how You continually remind us of how much You love us. How You knew from the very beginning that we would need a Savior. The very beginning being the beginning of our world. Lord, You knew this for all eternity. And we thank You, Lord, for being eternal in our presence. And Lord, we can't begin to understand everything, but we can begin to trust who you are and what you have done for us. We thank you for your saving word. We thank you for your word in general, but especially for your saving word. We thank you, Lord, that for those who believe, we will have fellowship with you for all eternity. And Lord, we're reminded eternity is a long time. But it's a great time. We are secure because of what you've done for us. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining me for this edition of Livestream Sunday School. Please stay tuned in the timeline for Pastor Gus's message. The work of the church is twofold. It'll be available right now as soon as you sign off here, and it'll be in the timeline. We appreciate you being here, and uh, we look forward to seeing those of you who are in Akron at church in a little bit. Take care of yourselves. God bless you, and we will see you next time.